When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, this is Carlton Stone, and you're listening to Tobin Tonight. Carlton, explain how this band formed in 2015, because you guys all had your own solo careers, supposedly doing very well. Take me through the whole story. Let's go down memory lane. Um, yeah. Well, we were all, we had met probably in 2010, 2011, just as co-writers and musicians in the, you know, Nova Scotia music scene kind of thing. And then we started co-writing together and just kind of writing songs. And then that kind of led to, then I was hiring Dylan to play in my band and started to hire Bria to play in my band. And then Bria was hiring Dylan to play in her band. You know, we all just started kind of like <laughs> having these different like live connections, even though we were all still performing under our own names. Then, yeah, we did that for probably like four years until, you know, there's been kind of hints along the way of like, should we just start a band that's like all new music and the three of us? And yeah, eventually that just happened. So it was kind of, it says we like formed in like 2015 and we kind of came out of the gate, but we'd actually been playing music together like for five years like in a real serious way before that so definitely was like a good little uh kind of trick up our sleeve you know as a new band yeah no i agree it's it's kind of like the aspect i find when you're creating a band like if you're a solo artist sometimes it's like the other way around where solo acts form because the band formed first and then solo acts second but yeah. I like that concept where, you know, you're testing each other out. You're just trying to be friends. You, you got a, a place in the music business per se as, well, you know, she does really well with this. He's really good at this. Let's just test them out. Like we, we're not really committed yet to a band, but then when the band formed, I, I just like how it's almost like putting an ego aside in a sense. Cause it's like, well, you guys like, um, we all did well, very well individually. So how are we going to do this as a team? Yeah. And I feel like in a, in a global way, there's a lot of opportunities for all musicians to be successful. You know, if you know the chips fall their way and they work really hard and blah, 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 blah. But when you're in a small part of the world, and you're three kind of solo singer songwriters, even though you're all slightly different, you're all competing for a lot of the same gigs. So that was just part of it. It's like, oh, we could kind of join forces and do something that none of us could do on our own. And then we're not competing with each other and we're standing out from everyone else because, you know, there's a lot of a lot of singer songwriters around Nova Scotia and stuff too. So yeah, that was just kind of the idea. And, you know, that was whatever, five years ago. And 
<laughs> here we are in a global pandemic. <laughs> so the first thing that comes to mind, and I, I'm not very, let's put it this way, I'm not very geeky, but when you mentioned about like, yeah. you know, we're all competing against each other and then we're just going to form a big super like team. I was like, that's like Batman, Superman, and <laughs> Spider-Man just coming together or like super, whatever, it's like Wonder Woman and be like, you know what? I'm kind of tired of fighting crime on my own. Do you guys just want to <laughs> form together and fight crime together? And it's like, yeah, we're like the <laughs> Avengers. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> hey, Brett and yeah. right? Yeah. Why, why didn't you just name it that? You should have, instead of saying it Port Cities, you should have been like the Avengers of Nova Scotia. People are like, I'm, are they a punk rock band? What's going on here? I'm a little bit scared. <laughs> I might have to change the bio as soon as we get off the phone. Yeah. Oh, oh, well, I want, I want some credit. Just be like, just be like yeah, some, yeah, some yeah. Newfoundlander just told me to call us the Avengers of Halifax. And then <laughs> some kids will start looking up the band and be like, I liked it better when they were Port Cities, man. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll call them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, great. Thanks. Yeah. It's like, yeah. The, just get the TMZ of Halifax. Like, local Newfoundlander calls Port Cities the Avengers. And then uh, then you just see me and you on like an audio FaceTime or something. And they're like, so tell me how this happened. I'd be like, I don't know, man. I was just tossing out ideas to him and this happened. So, yeah, I, I'm glad you kind of explained that a little bit further because in the Spark Notes, as I'll call it, um, it says that you guys met in 2011 at this uh, Gordy Sampson song camp in Cape Breton, yeah. annual thing. Uh, and then the band arose from there. So it, it almost sounds like when you read the notes, it's like, hey, guys, let's form a band. But you're more or less saying that, no, it happened gradually, which is a way better story. Yeah, it definitely just kind of made sense at a certain point, you know, and what's so funny. And I told this story maybe once or twice before, but like, I remember whatever, maybe 2014, I was playing at CMW in Toronto and, um, whatever it was the Nova Scotia stage and, and I'm playing and I had hired Dylan and Bria to be in my band. So it was kind of like me, me in the middle and the two of them on either side. And, played our songs but at this point i'd been around like a few years i'm not really like the the coolest guy on the block anymore or something right so it's fine whatever i played that festival every year then the next year we go back as port cities play the exact same stage at the exact same time with the like the exact same configuration on stage and the whole industry, you know, it's like the national music industry are all like, wow, who's this hot new band, Port Cities? Like, blah, blah, blah. It's like, haha. It was just like, we just changed the name, but we were the exact same as last year, pretty much, you know? It's like, kind of showed how important perception and, and newness is in this business, you know? Well, that, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I, I we're going to get into it a little bit further, but um, I know Bree kind of left, and you guys, you and Dylan have said that we're going to continue with Port Cities, but man, this is the perfect time to bring in that the Avengers of Halifax. Yeah. <laughs> no, they'll, they'll just be on stage and be like, man, this band is so cool, but why does this sound Montreal sounds like so familiar? They do it better than Port Cities. It's like, no, they are the same. <laughs> They're the same. <laughs> now uh, you said that you've you know done solo acts before before you joined port cities which is awesome because you've got credit for that as well like you've had an ecma uh solo record of the year music nova scotia award winner for i think it was record of the year and pop record this was in like 2014 and 15 i believe yes 
So like you were doing quite well on your own. So was it just an idea that you wanted to for, like bring these people in to form this band? Or again, was it a little bit of a concept of why compete when we can do something like great together? Yeah, I think kind of just going back to what you said earlier about like the gradual thing where it was never, you know, maybe five years into this really kind of intimate musical relationship that we all kind of have together. It, it just started to seem to make sense of like the way our voices went together always made people react and kind of just the feedback we were getting from the audience. Sometimes it was like, Oh, should we be taking this a little more serious and, and maybe put our solo things to the side and just make a record and see what happens for a second, you know? So yeah, that's what we, what we did. <laughs> I like how it kind of ties in back to like the whole Gordy Sampson like kind of song camp because I believe he helped produce your first album. He did, yes. Yeah, so I, I'm just wondering how this conversation went down. Was it more or less like you saying to him, "Listen, we're about to become like a pretty big deal here. Do you want to jump aboard?" Or was he more or less like, <laughs> "I'll help you guys out. Like I'm here to help." It was more like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely like that. Whenever we were all talking over this, I can't remember, but Dylan at the time, Dylan and Gordy had the same manager who we worked with very closely for five years leading up to that through the song camp, Sherry Jones. And she's been Gordy's manager for 20 years plus. So yeah, when we were, we were figuring out, she basically offered to manage the band because she was already managing Dylan. I was managed by another company at the time and Bria didn't have management yet. So we were kind of deciding to go, okay, we're going to sign this management deal and make a record or whatever. So then when she was talking to Gordy about that, he was like, Hey, I think I'd like to be a part of this, you know? And he had known us all for so long, kind of developed us all as songwriters for like, you know, five or six years kind of up until there. So he, he knew the three of our personalities really well and how that could potentially kind of blend. It took us like a year and a half to make the record, kind of working on it in fits and starts kind of thing. We took a few, you know, cracks at it and it didn't quite go the way we wanted it to. You know what I mean? And all of us, like the three of us and Gordy were like, oh, this isn't quite coming together yet, you know? Um, but then maybe like the third or fourth song we tried to do, it really worked. And then we kind of just chased that song and, and that sound for the rest of the record kind of thing. So, okay. And if you don't mind me asking, what was that song that was like the breakthrough there? I think it was the sound of your voice. Okay. It was kind of just where we started to feel like, oh, this is what this band could sound like total you know? death metal total death metal no no <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah but we had tried stuff made like a little more kind of bedroom pop with like smaller kind of david gray style beats i don't know if that dates me as my reference but like i mean we kind of did a few songs like oh, this isn't really working so then just kind of you know changed and evolved as we were doing it and luckily we were with gordy and he cared for us all enough and we weren't just like a paycheck to him that he kind of went down the rabbit hole with us until we were all just super happy with the results so so yeah so what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna totally cut that answer out and just basically say that gordy came to you and he was like please please let me manage you um no no (laughs) that's 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 how you get on your tmz yeah there you go i believe in like season two we had alan doyle on and he kind of mentioned about how just a grade nine or grade 10 teacher gave him money to go buy his uncle's electric guitar. And now look where he's to, but like, 
it's it seems like such an east coast thing that if you mention that to someone and i'm I'm not you know making a reference or saying things out west or in the mainland are not the same it's just like if you said that just off the cuff of yeah man like my teacher gave me like six grand to go buy a guitar for what like like what are they what are they doing and it's like oh they they totally believe in me and they're like teachers yeah who believes in you (laughs) yeah what are they Um, that's like the kind of response you get but i I just think it's funny like if you say in the east coast like yeah of course he did like of course he did that for you it's like (laughs) really okay just one thing to chime in on that because i think that's a very good point where it's like not only did we kind of develop our songwriting craft by looking up to Gordy, the way, like how giving he is with his own creativity and opportunities and helping out the next generation really inspired us too. You know what I mean? So we've, he's kind of built this little culture of, you know, you're not competing with everyone else. We should all be like helping each other and we can all rise together kind of thing, you know? We really took that to heart even now where we're working with like younger artists and producing stuff for people where, you know, we're not getting paid or, you know, we're just like doing the same thing that he did for us like five years ago. You know, it's like that's we're all in the music business. It's all like it's hard enough to make it anyway, you know, so we're all kind of like true, true, whatever. Right. And, And I like how you brought that in because I don't know if you know this, but I'm a master of puns. And when you said rise again, the very first thing that comes to mind is, um, yeah, I, I couldn't help it. It was just, it was there. So I had it to take was it there. Yeah. What's the experience like going overseas and how did you get perceived? Like, how did they, I guess, take the music? I'm hoping no one was like, this is crap. Get off stage. (laughs) No, um, Germany is Germany, especially, which we had all been going to for like five years. We were in this like writing camp with these German writers that would fly us over every year. And anyways, we had just done that. So we pretty connected there and, had played shows there as solo artists and stuff. And the audiences in Germany are just so, so respectful of the arts. It almost is a, can be a little awkward where like, say, especially when you're like a guy like me coming from Cape Breton who cut his teeth and like bars of a hundred people screaming and yelling at each other. And you're trying to make them pay attention to you. And, if you do something good, they might pay attention, but you're kind of fighting that all the time. Yeah, right? yeah. Where there you play a song. It's like, everyone just collapse cops. And then it's like silent. And you're like, Oh wow. They really are listening. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> so they're just so appreciative, but it what an amazing audience to play for. You know, you go to a place like that and you see like the arts kind of being revered in a way that, you know, we, we have a lot of amazing things here and great infrastructure and support, ECMAs, Music Nova Scotia, all that stuff. But to see, like, how seriously the audience takes it in places in Europe, it was, like, kind of opened your mind, you know? I, I think that's a really good answer because in my mind, it's just picturing just being, like, a little bit of a comic sense. is like, you know, you 
fighting for attention at Nova Scotia, like pub, and then in Germany when they're starting to clap, you're like, "Why are you respecting yeah, me?" Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's really like that at the beginning. You're like, you know, yeah. you have to fight yeah, like, so like, hard. Yeah. yeah, you're just like, "Can somebody please boo me so I feel at yeah. home?" And then someone's <laughs> just like, "Okay," they're like confused. Uh, you, you're not that great, yeah. and you're just like, "Thank you, thank you." <laughs> but yeah, even guys like you know Alan Doyle, it's like you watch him command a room now as an entertainer and it's like you only learn how to do that from fighting every night you know in pubs and stuff that's where you hone that craft of like making people pay attention even though it might have sucked at the time when i was 20 years old and you know i'm actually kind of glad it happened to me now because i just understand that relationship a lot better when you're saying about you know fighting and then like how much it's uh it means to you now like to own a room like i mean just coming into this podcast man i had to fight people to get into this room and this is my own room no I'm like, <laughs> it's my own house it's my own house like there's people outside the door like you can't get in your own room like i will get there i am getting through this door god damn it <laughs> just throw just like i don't know if you're a wrestling fan but you just hit like an austin 316 using the background throwing stunners doing rock bottoms the the song montreal when i first heard that i will be honest i'm a very honest person i was just like not into it just don't like it and then like years later it took you going through experiences of either just being dumped or being a little bit more self-involved a little bit more appreciation for different kinds of music that I, I actually downloaded it and now has it my ringtone as a wake-up alarm. I don't know if that's sad or I don't know if that's just... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I just really loved it after a while. I, I, like, it's one of those songs that, and I'll put you in the same category here, and you might find it flattering. You might go, what the hell? Third Eye Blind, semi-charmed uh, kind of life. When I grew up... That's like one of my yeah. favorite songs of all yeah. time. And that's what I'm saying. When I grew up, wouldn't see that much music, and was like, don't get it. Just don't get it. Don't like it. And then now, it's. Yeah. I think on my uh, Instagram stories, it's like one of those songs that I know it's like related to drugs, but I was like, so what? I still like it. It's a song that I drive to. Yeah, the song's amazing. It still holds yeah. up. Yeah, so, and there you go. And now I'm saying that the Montreal song is one of those that, in my mind, will uh, hold up just as good as that one. Oh, thanks, man. No, I, I do. I, I thought it was really cool. And I like how everyone kind of harmonizes. You both have... Yeah. You, you find ways to harmonize with each other. And that's why I'm a little bit upset that Brie has left. But not, not in the sense of, I'm not supporting this band anymore. It's just that she does fit in well with you guys. Oh, for sure. And I think, like, I don't want to put words in Bria's mouth or whatever, but kind of the flip side of everything you talked about, too, when you're like, okay, you're touring Germany, the UK, all of Canada, all the. In 2017, we were away from home for like 180 days or something, you know, and we played 115 shows, you know. So all that stuff's awesome. Everything's going great with the band. We're all getting along. All that stuff's good. The shows are getting better, but. Meanwhile, at all your your partner at home and all your friends and your family and stuff like all those relationships are kind of being neglected. It definitely comes a point once you're, you know, Bria was five years into the band or almost five years or whatever, where it's like, OK, maybe I don't want to be on the road even 100 days a year. You kind of got to, you know, she made that decision based on like her own her, her own best interests and like. I support, you know, I support that. And she was awesome about it. We're, we're still writing songs and we're still talking and we're, you know, it's just more. And what's so funny now 
is no one's touring. Like, who knows if anyone's going to go to a concert again? You know, like, we could have just, like, waited and quietly slid into the pandemic here, you know? Brie could have just waited for a while and then was like, you know what? I'm okay now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, maybe that. Maybe she's going to be so ready to, like, get out yeah. of the house and be like, let's go play some shows, guys, you know? I, I kind of want to put it all in perspective here of, you know, when I was growing up, the bands that were kind of coming out of... I guess, Newfoundland, Halifax, even just the East Coast, it wasn't a lot. Like, you'd have to be very, I guess, niche in terms of you had to either grow up here and get used to those bands, like the Celtic Connection, like Great Big C, until they actually kind of became a little bit more famous. But now, it's almost like when you hear a band like, you know, Classified, Neon Dreams, Port Cities, like, you know, Heather Rankin, Jimmy Rankin, like, I know they've been around for a while as well, but you start to see this vibe of oh, okay, so we do actually have, like, popular music coming out of these little, like, small avenues that probably the rest of the world at one point wouldn't even think about. Yeah, and it's so crazy. I look back, and it's funny you mentioned the Rankins. We've been on, like, a big Rankins kick here in, like, the last few weeks. And uh, the album, I think it was North Country, like, whatever. When I was just, like, looking up, I was looking up something about the album, like, who produced it or whatever. And it won the Juno for album of the year, the year it came out. And I'm just like, when you think about the stuff that is Drake or The Weeknd or Justin Bieber or, you know, Alicia Cara or, you know, any of those top Canadians now who are some of the biggest artists in the world, it seems so funny to me that, like, the Rankin family won the Juno for album of the year. That just, like kind of blows my mind a bit now, you know, with our current musical climate, right? Oh, yeah. It's like, I remember growing up and watching, like, CMT and um, watching The Countdown, and you'd see, like, your Tim McGraws, your Faith Hills, and you'd get, like, somewhat excited to see, like, a Shania Twain, because you're like, this is Canadian. Yeah. Like, this is the closest that we're going to get, is, like, this is our Canadian in The Countdown. And then when um, the Anna sisters came on, or, like, you'd see a ranking video in the actual Countdown, you're like, whoa, wait, wait, you've expanded? Uh, yeah. Like, you actually know that we're here? <laughs> That will be all for this episode of Tobin Tonight. Our thanks to Carlton Stone for coming on the show. Remember, you can find past, present, and future episodes on TobinTonight.com. Find us on Spotify, YouTube, and iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and leave a comment or two. But no more than two, because now you're just being needy and greedy. For Tobin and myself, this is Jacob saying, Girl Meets World deserves a better fate. I mean, three seasons? Should have at least been five or six, at least. Never gave the show much of a chance, did we, Disney? Ah, well. Thanks for listening, and good night. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, 4Kids Flashback. 4Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at 4Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. 
Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. Hi, I'm Mercedes Nickel, four-time Winter Olympian and host of Dropping In, a podcast with Mercedes. This is a podcast where I interview a bunch of different people. I get the good, the bad, and the ugly, as well as I share my stories along the way. Now you can drop in at droppingin.com or subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. I'll see you soon. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.